Well, it is great every time the band does some harmonies, and today we're talking in our series in tune about what it means to harmonize with others. And many of you get to hear Kenny all the time, but I thought it might be uh, fun to get a little of the inside scoop behind some of these songs. So first of all, every week you guys do songs, and I get emails, people say, what was that song? i got to look it up. So for those who don't recognize the song and want to look it up later, what was that, that was song? That was Seven Bridges Road by the Eagles. Been around a long time. Yeah. And what makes, when you're you know, putting a team together with different voices, different personalities, different strengths, how do you make that kind of harmony work? Like, what's the secret to it? Well, the secret is you have to cover all the parts. Mike, our bass player, was born with a beautiful bass voice. Mm -hmm. Beverly came in to sing the high parts, so the guys didn't have to sing like girls today. That was beautiful. But the way I look at it, Chad, is, is we always try to everybody lean into what the song needs. Mm -hmm. And if everybody isn't trying to shine and just blend and do the best for the song, that's when it sounds the best. And sometimes when people stand out to want to be heard, they just end up standing out, and it, it's not necessarily a plus. Sure. And uh, when everybody works together, it's great. Now a solo comes up, and guitar player will take a solo, piano, whatever, but that's different than the, the blended part of the song. Yeah, and you and I have worked uh, you know, together for you know, 18, 19 years. Uh, yeah. You've been here 20 years. And you know, there's always, working with musicians and artists, a sense in which sometimes people all want it to be about them, right? It's, it's my yeah. bass solo. It's my solo. You know, I want to make sure that I'm stood out. Right. And so part of doing the best music for people or the best harmonies is saying, hey, I'm willing to submit my preferences to what works best for everybody, and it doesn't have to be all about me. Right. Well, we're both Andy Griffith fans, and we talk about sure. it all the time. And there's that one great episode where... They're, they're having a city choir, and, and Barney, <laughs> Don Knotts is walking around singing terribly out of tune, but he's like, I'll find out who it is. He's walking behind everybody. Turns out it's him. It's him, right? Yeah, yeah. it's him. But, uh, you know, I've, I've been in bands where that happened, but, you know, I, I think of mostly it's the in-tune part where every instrument and, and every voice has to be in tune. And I can, I can still remember my, my uh, middle school band teacher in like eighth grade band or something coming in and saying, everybody play a C note in this sound. <laughs> I could, I'll never forget his face. The sound would happen sort of like uh, nails on a chalkboard and a cat fight at the same time. It was just <laughs> this horrid sound. And then he'd teach us to go down the line and make everybody tune up to the strobe tuner. And mm -hmm. then it would be mm. actually a, a tolerable sound. And how's that? You play guitar all the time. So what, how's that sound in a guitar when something's well, out yeah, of Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if even something's slightly out, it can be like we just played... Take one string and just give it a little tweak. Oh, wow. I can keep going if you want. Yeah. <laughs> no. Feel free to stop. That's amazing. I, we uh, celebrated my, my dad and my mom's 50th anniversary last week. And my dad, he's a little bit of a musician, but he launched into the story about how he used to play trombone. And I'm like, you play trombone? And he, wow. he said one of his funniest stories is he's in marching band. He's playing the trombone. And he's reading the music just like it's written. And literally his hand's not moving at all. So it's like, bom, bom, bom. And the music director's like, Ross, what are you doing? So he finishes the whole thing. And, and they come back. He's like, I don't know. I played what's on there. It turned out he had the music for the drums. <laughs> just boom, boom, boom. So, so, you know, if everybody's not on the same piece of music, if you're not playing exactly. the right part, you know, it really doesn't bring out the best harmony for everybody. Yeah. So. And a little, little secret you may not know about Kenny is Kenny doesn't read music. Just, so how have you, you've been a musician for how long now? Uh, my whole life, uh, since fourth grade band. And yeah, and you've been playing, like, professionally since you are like, 16 or something? Yeah. Yeah. 42 years. Wow. 
Well, thanks for the insight yeah. on harmony. Can cool. we thank Kenny for his, uh, his music all around here? Thank you, Kenny. Well, in our series in tune, we're looking at different words. We've looked at the word grace. We've looked at the word honor. Today, we're looking at the word submission, which is a word you don't hear a lot about. But really, it's what creates harmony. When band members choose to not just make it all about their solo or make it about their part, but say, I'm going to submit my preferences, my skills, and my strengths to the greater goal of making something that sounds beautiful or sounds great. The act of submission actually creates harmony. And that's true in almost every environment. I was a soccer player, played on select soccer teams, and, and we always had somebody on the team who was all about scoring the most goals. And I would be, as the left outfielder, like, hey, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open. And sure enough, ball would be taken away because they didn't submit to the greater goals. Who cares who scores? Let's just, as a team, win. And so when they made it all about themselves, they kept dribbling right into the defense, the whole team didn't win because they were unwilling to submit to the greater goal of the team winning, even if it meant not getting the goal. Same thing's true in a business, right? You, you've had people who refuse to submit to the overall vision or mission of, of the organization. They refuse. They always took credit for things they didn't deserve, and they never took blame for things they didn't. Did that produce the best kind of environment, the best kind of company? How about in your family? When people refuse to say, hey, for the good of the whole family, let's adapt to each person's preferences. And this may not be your favorite thing to do or, or your favorite thing to do, but this time let's, let's submit our preferences to doing what, what mom wants or what, what dad wants or, or maybe vice versa. This time we're going to do what, what our son wants. Something beautiful happens on the soccer field, in a workplace, in a marriage. When people choose to put the needs of others ahead of themselves, it creates an unbelievable amount of harmony. So let me give you a working definition for submission today. Submission is simply surrendering to a higher purpose. That's it. I'm not going to lose myself. I'm not going to lose my strengths. I'm just going to surrender my strengths and my preferences to a higher purpose. And it could be on the soccer field that's winning the game. It could be in the company, you know, being on point to the vision, even though I wouldn't prefer to do it this way. It might be in a marriage saying, hey, you want to do this, I want to do this, but for the sake of having an other-centered marriage, let's choose to come up under the higher purpose of an other-centered family. So do that today. We're going to look at a song, the secret to the song, the secret to, uh, to the melody of music, and then ultimately why we need a conductor to make it all happen. Let's start with a song. In order to be free, in order to make the best music, we need to wrestle with something that our culture teaches the opposite of, is that there's a song of submission. And the song of submission is that you and I make the best music when we submit or come under the structure of someone else. You see, our culture says, no, 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 you make the best music when you do whatever you want. But I want to challenge that notion. Right? Let's think of this as your, your you know, right hand up top and your left hand at the bottom. And what does that look like? So you know, we'll put this here, and then uh, I always do this one wrong. Let's see. Yeah. And so here we have, you say, I'm going to do whatever I want. You say, I don't want to submit to these five lines. Why five lines? Why not seven lines? Why any lines? I'm just going to play whatever I want, right? And you're going to play this and this, and you know, I'm going to rest, but at the same time I'm resting, I'm also going to play, and I don't want to rest here. Well, I do want to rest there with quarter notes. I don't want to play up. I want to play up here and up here. And you're like, well, what note is that? Is that five above? Who cares? I want to do whatever I want. And you just play, 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 play. And then 
you marry somebody. You come into a family that has kids, and you find that everyone else has the same definition. I don't have to come up under anybody. I'm going to do whatever I want. Now the left hand is doing whatever it wants. I don't care what you're playing. I'm going to play this, 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 and this, and I'm going to put sharp on that, flat on that, and more of this. And then two people doing whatever they want, not submitting to any overall goal or any overall structure, they play together. What's it sound like? Noise. Noise. It's not beautiful music. It's not a beautiful place to work. God says, when you come up under or surrender to the higher purpose of handling your anger the way I suggest, you're going to actually make better music. When you choose to be faithful, you're going to make better music. When you learn how to live selflessly, you're going to make better music. And when two people come together with the similar structure they're going to submit to, it makes better music. You're not going to be less free. You're actually more free. I mean, isn't that what musicians do? They spend hours pulling back their freedom to practice these notes so they can be free to make beautiful music. So that's why the Bible says in James chapter 4, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God. Why would we submit ourselves to God? Let's put that verse up on the screen here. He gives more grace to people who are humble because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, if you want to have the best kind of music and have grace flowing through your life as we talked about last week, you need to practice submission, surrendering to a higher purpose in your life. It's a way of drawing near to God so he will draw near to you. See, pride says, I don't have to submit to any of that. I can do whatever I want to find freedom. Really? See, Freud and Nietzsche would show up and say, yeah, listen, don't listen to Chad this morning. This is the kind of nonsense religion's been saying forever. They're trying to control you. That's what religion's trying to do. Control how you handle your emotions. Control what you do or don't do. Reject it. Do whatever you want to find freedom and make beautiful music. In fact, uh, Nietzsche would say, all truth claims are power plays, and everything religion tells you is a power play. What's the rebuttal to that? Well, Nietzsche, if all truth claims are power plays, then your truth claims a power play, and you're trying to control me, right? Let's just get practical for a second. Do you know people who've tried to live however they wanted? They say whatever comes out of their mouth, but no self-control. Has that made for great relationships? You know people who've given in to all of their indulgences, slept with whoever they want, drank whatever they want, shot up whatever they want. Would you say they're more free or less free today? They're less free. The pride of saying I can do whatever I want, not submitting to any structure in my life, did not bring the promise that they said it would. See, pride is I can do whatever I want and it does not bring harmony. It doesn't. In fact, you can hear it. The sound of pride that the Bible's warning against, you can hear it in the back seat of your car, right? Is it beautiful music when you hear your kids talking in the back of the car? Stop touching me! You stop touching me! No, it's my turn! No, it's my turn! No, I mean, oh, you're the boss! I don't have to do that! You're not mom! You're not dad! Right? Ah, oh, beautiful music, right? That's the sound of pride. Two people not getting what they want and demanding it. But whether it's in business, whether it's in marriage, whether it's musicians, 
Something happens when two people take their strengths, take their preferences, and surrender it to a higher purpose. They surrender or submit to the structure of the greater goal. Let me give you an example of that. So I'm going to invite uh, Dave and Kenny to come on out. Guys, come on out. We're going to give an example. And we're going to have a little uh, piano lounge here. So I want to get prepared for the little piano lounge here. And this is Dave Lewis. If you don't know Dave, I think uh, uh, now I'm ready. Okay, no, actually, a little, little candle here. Here we go. Now I'm ready for this. Is All right. real? Is it real? Uh, this is real. This is real. It's grape juice, though, because you know, I don't like wine. But... <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ask Dave, who's a fantastic piano player, and Kenny, you know, primarily as a keyboard player, as a guitar player, I want you to play something classical and something beautiful. And Kenny, when you feel motivated, you play something classic to kind of go along with it to complement it. And uh, what was the classic song you were playing, Kenny? Smoke Underwater. <laughs> well, they were classics. They were definitely classics. So, so two, uh, well, maybe, well, let's flip it. So maybe we'll let Kenny lead. Oh. You play something, and uh, maybe, Dave, you take your own styles, take your own strengths, and maybe compliment that. We'll see the how that classic works. Classic John Lennon. play together very often? Apparently not. <laughs> Only on Sundays. <laughs> so again, two talented musicians, both have strengths, both are playing two beautiful pieces, but they just don't go together. Why? They're not submitting, they're not on the same page. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to try and put them on the same page. All right. There you go. Putting on the same page. Well, this is an old classic from uh, the movie Big, um, a little song I like to call, because it's called that, Heart and Soul. So we're going to see what happens when we put two guys submitting their strengths to maybe the same piece of music and see what happens. Kenny said in rehearsal, there's not a, a dry uh, seat in the house. So that was great. So thank you for that. All right. Thank you, guys. So again, that's an example of how two strong people with two strong talents, but if there's not submission, coming up under the same page, getting in the same playbook and finding out of all the things I could do or might do or should do, what's going to accomplish the mission of what we're trying to accomplish here? So that's a song of submission. It's not about controlling people. Certainly people can use it that way. It's really about coming up and getting on the same page with somebody else. 
So the second aspect of this is understanding the, the music of marriage is what Paul's going to apply this to, or, or really the melody of music in everyday life, in whatever area you're looking in. What does it look like to bring that melody or that rhythm together? So Paul's going to talk about that in Ephesians. He says, guys, how you talk to one another brings music. Don't you want to work in a place, be in a marriage, be in a family that you speak to one another in, in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Where you're singing and making melody in your heart to God, there's a spirit of thankfulness and appreciation going on around you. People aren't complaining and gossiping all the time. You're giving thanks all the time. And learning how to submit to one another in the awe of how God submitted to you. He's really saying every workplace, every soccer field, every band, every marriage, every family, when we all learn to submit to one another, surrender to a higher purpose, it makes beautiful music. And we'll come back to that in a second. Let's go back to, to this idea. So, in contrast to this, which was just no key, do whatever you want, make noise, what if we instead put a melody to this? And we said, the goal here is to get two people on the same page. Well, first of all, we ought to have a time signature, right? What time? Like, maybe we ought to all play in the same time. That might help. Part of getting on the same page. We at least know the timing we're trying to do here, the strategy we're trying to do here. Next, maybe if we're going to do 4-4, four, four, what would it look if I maybe play two notes in that first bar? But maybe at the same time, what would the left hand do that would best complement the right hand to make it work well? Well, while you're playing those two notes, I'm going to hit the same first note, but down here, but I'm going to do a quarter note. And I'm going to fit two in at the same time you're playing the one. And during you're playing the one, I'm going to play one here, but I'm going to get two in. But we're ultimately going to have four beats per bar. And immediately, there's a melody, there's a certain rhythm, there's a sense that you're getting on the same page with each other. And sure, it's not about controlling one another as much as it is moving in the same direction together. That's the idea he's getting at here. When you create a melody to your marriage and a melody to your workplace. So back to that passage. He mentions several things here. Now keep in mind, he's starting a church. And here in this church, there's three types of people. There's Gentiles who grew up under Zeus worship. There are Jews who grew up in the book of Psalms. So their worship music came out of the book of Psalms. And then there's new Christians who have started believing in Jesus. And they've written their own new songs called hymns. Those were the new fresh songs, actually. So we think of those as old. They were the new ones. So three groups of people all following Jesus in the church. Some like spiritual songs, who are Greek. Some like psalms, because they were Hebrew. And some like the newfangled songs called hymns. And so Paul's talking to this church, arguing about music. And he says, guys... Let's speak to one another in all the above. Sometimes you may not prefer psalms. Let's play some psalms because some people like the psalms. Other times, you know what let's do? Let's play some hymns, these new songs written by the Christians because it helps people connect with God. Then they did something really weird. They sang what they call spiritual songs. There was a lot of people who grew up under Greek worship and Demeter worship, and they had kind of crazy spiritual songs about Demeter and Zeus from their culture. He said, well, let's take the melodies of the songs that they sang to Zeus and maybe put our own lyrics to it, but at least be something you recognize. Now, if you come to our church long enough, you're going to find out we have two services. 
three services, but two different ones. And if you come to our equipping service, you're going to see sometimes we do old hymns like Amazing Grace. Sometimes we do it as well. And sometimes you're going to find we do very contemporary worship songs. You're going to hear Chris Tomlin and Hillsong. We do all the time at our equipping service like we did this morning at 8.30 and 9.45. When you come to our 11 o'clock service, you're going to go, wow, this is weird. I didn't hear any Christian songs. I heard like the Eagles, and then I just heard Heart and Soul, and you're ending today with Ed Sharon. That's weird for a church to do that. Well, maybe. Or maybe for the sake of our friends who don't like religious songs, or not sure how they feel about religious songs, we take songs from the culture like they did, and we try and bring meaning and purpose out of that and say, huh, we all love that song. It's interesting, the harmonies in that. It's interesting how, imagine in your marriage, how your heart and soul could be connected if you and your spouse got on the same page. Think of it this way. What if you played out of someone else's playlist? Isn't that what you do when guests come to your house? You don't play your music, you play what they're going to like. Paul is calling people in community, in churches, to play other people's playlists. Don't you want your dad to play your playlist if you're a son? And if you're, if you're a, a dad, don't you want your son to get on your playlist to do the things you think are important? Don't you want your boss to know what's important to you, your playlist? And, and don't you think your boss wants you to do the same? How much better would all of our relationships be if we played off someone else's playlist by submitting to the greater picture of an other-centered environment? That's what it's calling to. Submit to one another in the fear of God. When you see a coach adapting to the individual strengths of a team, you go, that's different. When you see a father getting down adapting to what a son or daughter needs, man, I like that. When you see a marriage where two people are willing to compromise their preferences for the greater good, it's beautiful. I was talking to a buddy who uh, heard me do a marriage talk several years ago on a topic similar to this, and he said, Chad, you know what I realized? I said, I have no idea what you realized. He said, I've been spending the last 30 years of marriage trying to convince my wife to change her playlist. You shouldn't want that. You shouldn't like that. You shouldn't need that. I said, how's that worked out for you? He's like, not really good. I not really good. He goes, if I had spent even half the effort trying to play her playlist when she needs appreciation, when she needs respect, when she needs attention, it would have got me so much farther than trying to convince her she doesn't need what she thinks she needs. He was learning how to submit or adapt to her playlist and vice versa. It's a beautiful thing that happens. It's the melody of marriage. It's the melody of music in an environment. However, what's going to motivate you and I to do that? Well, that brings us to the last point. We all need a, uh, a conductor. The conductor of the concerto, as they say. We need something, someone inside of us to motivate because if we're waiting for them to adapt and they're waiting for us to adapt, nobody's going to adapt. We need something in us to motivate us to make this surrendering. So what we need is a conductor. some big eyebrows here. Mm, yes, look at this. This is a good-looking conductor right here. <clears throat> Getting prepared for the day. Got his tie on, his hand in the air, and of course he's holding on to the conductor stick. Even the best musicians in the world need a conductor, right? 
someone to lead, someone to put us on the same page. The most talented, the most experienced artists in the world need a conductor. So I was sitting uh, in a creative conference about 15 years ago, and I got to hear the, uh, the conductor of the London Orchestra describe leadership. It was fascinating. He said, you know, my job as a leader is to take the most talented musicians in the world who've played this particular song a million times in their life, and today I need them to play it like they'd never played it before. He said, I want you to know that everybody here loves classical music. I'll never forget when he said that. I'm like, no, I don't. He said, the reason you don't like classical music is because somebody has dumbed it down and taken all the joy out of it. And he began to play. And as he was playing, it was interesting because he said, here's how you've heard it. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. He's like, let me tell you the way it was originally written. And he played this thing, started very slow. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun. And then his fingers went faster than I thought a human being could. Dun, 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 dun. He goes, that's the way it was written. But over the years, people have dumbed it down. Don't go that fast. Don't get that loud. My job as a conductor is to bring out the original vision and to take people who played this thing a thousand times and bring the life back to it. And then he had us all in this auditorium of 3,000 people. He says, anybody got a birthday today? And somebody stood up at the back with a birthday. He goes, we're going to sing happy birthday. Everybody sing happy birthday. And so we all, 3,000 of us, happy birthday. He goes, all right, I'm going to be your conductor. This time when you get to the word you, I want you all to look at her. And so he was standing up in the middle of the auditorium. And so sure enough, happy birthday to all 3,000 of us. You! Happy birthday to You! And he just kept giving us little notes. By the time we were done, it was the best happy birthday I'd ever heard before. Because we had a conductor who brought life back. So that's why Paul says, if we're going to learn how to submit to one another over music preferences, over differences in the workplace, over differences in family and marriage, we've got to have someone who adapted for us that we are so touched by, so motivated by, that what they did for us motivates us to do it for others. So here's how he goes on. He says, submit to one another out of the fear of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another in fear or awe of God. So, quick reminder of the main message of the Bible, if you haven't heard it before. God lived in heaven, perfectly happy, perfectly at peace, perfectly doing fine, thank you very much. And he saw our need for forgiveness our need for help, our need for wisdom, and he submitted himself, surrendered himself to the higher purpose of losing his omnipresence for a time to become a man. To lose the freedom of living in a world with, with no restraints of time and space to become a human mortal. He adapted for you. He submitted to you. More than that, he became a human being, was stabbed in the back Got to see his cousin killed brutally through beheading. People turn their back on him in the moments he needed most. And then he submitted himself to you to allow nails to be pounded into his hands and his feet to say, your need for forgiveness is more important than my need for comfort. 
Now, you may not believe that message. But do you see how if you did believe that message, that the God of the universe, who doesn't have to submit to anybody, right, he's God, but he chose to submit to what you needed, what was most important to you, to give up things that he deserved, his rights, his comforts. And by doing that, he becomes your conductor. Look what I did for you. Can't you do a little of that for your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your boss, your community? See, this is the motivator for that word surrender. So remember, surrender is to surrender to a higher purpose. Submission is surrendering to the higher purpose. But think of the word submission. It comes from two words. Sub, meaning submit or subordinate yourself. Mission, to the mission. So in marriage, I say, you know what? I want to do this. You want to do this. How do we both subordinate ourselves to the greater mission? Because if we always do what you want, I'm going to feel very resentful. If we always do what you want, I'm going to feel resentful. How do we both say, how do we have an other-centered relationship where we subordinate ourselves to the greater mission of creating a place where we can all flourish? Isn't that a beautiful picture of marriage? Isn't that a beautiful picture of a, of a workplace? So he goes on from that and he says, guys, if you're going to learn to submit with one another, let me give you an application for women. Let me give you an application for husbands. He says, because we're all committed to submit to one another, wives, here's what I want you to do. Submit to your husbands. Ask to the Lord. It's a service to the Lord. It's a way of saying, God, thank you for submitting to me. So you adapted for me, so I'm going to adapt to my husband. In fact, that's in the uh, Amplified Version. It actually says it that way. Wives, adapt yourself to your husbands as a service to how God served you. And then he immediately says, now, husbands, let me tell you what it means to submit to one another in your marriage. Your wives are going to do that. I want you to submit to your wives by loving your wife. Hi, how? Just like the conductor did for you. I want you to love your wives as Christ also loved the church. He gave himself up for her. He said, your needs are more important than my needs. Your playlist trumps my playlist. So husbands ought to love their wives just like their own bodies. To which you picture some guy looking in the mirror like, yes, I'm looking good. Mm, I love my own body. Right? So that, whatever the idea he's going for here is in the same way that you care for yourself, you nourish yourself, you prioritize your own needs, do that same thing for your wife. Now here's what's fascinating. He says, husbands, if you do this well, you're going to be so selfless. You're going to be so other-centered. You're going to be so committed to her desires that there's going to be a chance for her to take advantage of it. So he th throws in the word and, but actually in Greek it's the word de, which means but. But wives, I know your husbands who are committed to Jesus are so selfless. They are so other-centered. It's always you, 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 honey. Like, really? I haven't seen these husbands. Yeah, well, he's saying, if you did this. But wives, don't take advantage of that. When your husbands are being radically loving towards you, but show them the radical respect they need. In fact, psychologists have studied, this isn't true of all men and women, but 80 percentile, most women surveyed say in marriage, they, if they had a choice between being loved or respected, being loved is the most important. The research shows that most men, when you ask in marriage, what would you choose to be loved or respected? They say, I want to be respected. Now, they're both good stuff, right? There's not, nothing wrong with them. But here's what I think is amazing. When wives don't feel loved, they often get very disrespectful. When husbands don't feel respected, they get very unloving. And you get caught in what's called the crazy cycle. And you say, well, if he'd start being loving to me, then maybe I'd respect him. 
and your husband's like, well, if he started respecting me, maybe I'd love her. You're caught in the cycle. But if you have a, a conductor who loved you when you were unlovable and respected you and saw your value when you weren't particularly respectable, you say, I'm not going to love my wife because she's particularly lovable right now because she might not be. I'm going to love her because Christ loved me when I wasn't lovable. And you might say, my husband's not acting very respectable right now. But God showed respect or value for me when I wasn't particularly respectable, so I'm going to do the same. And you're going to break the crazy cycle. Because by meeting their needs, then they're going to want to meet your needs, and that crazy cycle taking you down will be the same cycle building you up. So here's what Ephesians is about. Everybody submit to one another. Wives do that by showing respect to your husbands. Husbands do that by showing incredible, unlavish, other-centered love to your spouses. And what kind of relationships would we have? Maybe you've never been in a small group. Uh, one of the ways you get to know people here at Horizon is joining a small group. And connecting to a small group where you kind of build some friendships and know people beyond just the, the, the big group that happens here on Sunday can be a great thing. And if you're watching online, maybe you're not ready for that. There's Zoom groups. You can check in and Zoom into a group, even if you don't want to be there because of COVID restrictions or whatever. But I encourage you to do that. We're, we're in this small group one time, and, and there was a book based on this crazy cycle called Love and Respect. And it got into the research on this. And so the wives had been in a women's Bible study and studied how important this idea was, and they were seeing the benefits in their husbands. But their husbands didn't read the book. You know? <laughs> so like, we, honey, need to go to a group together. Uh, we don't need to. Yes, we do. So we, as couples, had a group together where we studied the stuff they'd already, already studied in learning how to respect better, and the husbands were then learning how to love better. And it was just such fresh conversations during those six weeks. of Like, you know what? This is hard. You know when my wife most needs to be loved? When I think she's the most unlovable. She really needs me right now to love her, and I'm really mad because I feel really disrespected. And you know when your husband most needs to be respected? The moment you most think he's an idiot. And that's why this conductor of the concierto, that's why Jesus becomes the engine or the motivator to break the crazy cycle and create the kind of relationships you want. So here's my challenge to you. Be the first to play second chair. Everybody's about being first chair in a relationship, first chair in the business. Jesus came and he said, no, no, I don't want you to be first chair people. I mean, you play skillfully, be good at what you do, but I want you to live your life as if you're playing second chair. How do I serve? How do I support? How can I make your playlist a priority in my life? That's what we're about as a church. I already mentioned the music. I mentioned our services. Why do we have tents set up and online services? And, and why do we, we have so many different types of services? Because we are here to serve you, to serve your families, to serve your friends, people who like religion and people who don't like religion. We create environments to help people explore. And maybe you've been on the receiving end of people serving your kids, serving your students, parking your cars, uh, making coffee for you. Maybe for you, playing second chair at church is saying, hey, I want to get involved. We just put in this brand new coffee area where, as I mentioned last week, we're, we're uh, not just serving coffee, we're actually grinding our own beans, and you want to become a barista around here. And uh, maybe you want to volunteer for coffee to create environments for people to feel welcome. Maybe as we continue to open up and people are coming, you want to volunteer to be a greeter. Or you want to say, you know what, I really don't have time. I'm barely getting here for, for the one service because of how busy I am. Maybe you want to write a check and say, hey, I want to financially support what's going on here. 
what does it look like for you to play second chair in your marriage, on the soccer field, in the boardroom, or in your marriage? This week, be the first to apologize. Be the first to prioritize the other. Be the first to play second chair. I love this last song we're going to do today. I'm going to invite the band to come out. It's by Ed Sheeran. So if you don't know Ed Sheeran's songs, this is a great spiritual song. Because he describes both the beginning of a relationship where things are just fresh and easy to do and it's easy to prioritize. And honey, you want French fries from across town? I'll drive you across town. And then, you know, you've married for 40 years. Hey, can you uh, go to the kitchen? I'm not going to the kitchen. I don't want to get on my lazy boy, right? Just this tendency towards selfishness. And I love this song because it describes the beauty of continuing to love one another with an other-centered kind of love that said, you know what, your needs are important to mine. And he says, when we get old and we're falling apart and we got new hips and we got new pieces, parts everywhere, let's still think out loud about this idea of putting the needs of the other ahead of our own. Let's listen.